Uh, let's turn to First Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to finish up First Chronicles tonight. All right, so now we see we're going to come to this last chapter of First Chronicles, and uh, we're going to basically have the last chapter of King David for as we get into Second Chronicles next week. And uh, we're going to see David giving his contributions uh, towards the building of the temple, as well as uh, some of the leaders and the people themselves are going to gladly start giving over to start building this temple that had been a dream of David's for so long. And, uh, and it kind of re- reminds you of when Moses was building the tabernacle, that all the people would give freely and happily to build the tabernacle for God. And we kind of see a mirror image of that here with the temple being built, where everyone's starting to uh, reach into their own pockets and give of themselves to build this house uh, for God. So in verse 1, it says, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, I have prepared with all my might gold for things uh, to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, onyx stone, stones to be set, glistening stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and marble slabs in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affections on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God, over and over all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, three thousand talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and in seven thousand talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. So David is letting the people know all that was, he was giving to them. And he gathers all the assembly back up again to ask for their help in helping his son Solomon uh, to be able to build this temple because he knew it was going to be a hard task and Solomon was a young young lad at this time, probably in his teens, uh, and he wouldn't know how to do some of these things. So he wanted to get some more, more of the more experienced people in there to help him out to build this temple. And David starts speaking about all the gold and the silver and all the items that he had prepared for the temple, whether through warfare or through his own uh, personal uh, riches that he had, but he's now going to start asking uh, those who are in the assembly to give of themselves as well. And we see here that David's heart was truly with the temple, which ultimately in, in verse 1 it says that this temple was not for man, but this was the temple for the Lord God. So in his mind, his heart, and his intention was this is for God. This is not for man. This is not for Everyone else, this is a temple that's being built in honor of him. And in Matthew six twenty one, it says, For where the treasure, your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And David's heart was definitely with the temple. And, and that was going to be his prized uh, doing and giving to the Lord, because he really wanted to build this temple for him. So in verse 5, it says, The gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen, who then is willing to consecrate himself uh, this day to the Lord. So we see here in verse 5, he's, he's having these people come in who are able to build things and give of themselves to the temple. And he's saying those who are willing to give. It wasn't that he was forcing 
people to give, but he was asking that they would willingly give of themselves. And, and the only way God really wants us to give is with a willing heart. Otherwise, you can keep the money you have if it's not going to be a willing heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he wants us to give from the overflow in our hearts. So when we put our money in our box back here to give to the church, make sure we have the right attitude in giving. Make sure we're doing it as, as a sacrifice to the Lord and, and in happiness to the Lord. To where Because giving does ultimately, and we'll read in a minute, brings gladness to our hearts. Whenever we're able to give, not necessarily money, but of our time and of maybe our wisdom or maybe our physical abilities to others. It does bring a sense of happiness to our soul. So make sure when we give that we're not giving grudgingly, but we're doing it willingly, not out of obligation. And we see David telling them that here. In verse 6, it says, Then the leaders of the father's house, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds, with uh, the officers over the king's work, offered willingly. So here we go. We see them willingly offering. David set the example for this. And it says, They gave uh, for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents, 10,000 uh, derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones <clears throat> gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord into the land, uh, hand of Jehel, the Gershomite, Gershonite. So here <clears throat> we notice that it was now the leaders who were going to respond willingly to give. So David, the head guy, the, the head honcho, the king, set the example and precedence of, okay, I'm giving now. And then the leaders all decided willingly, well, we're going to give too. And it, and it just all trickles down. And I think as leaders, and it's not always financially, but we need to set the standard or the mark uh, for the people that, that we are leading. And we see David doing that. Now we're seeing the leaders start to set that example as well uh, in giving as, as also. And they also added to the service of the house of God even more than what David gave. They gave a huge amount, more than what even David gave, it says. Then it says, those who had precious stones also gave them. So there was a lot of giving going on here, and a lot of, a lot of treasures that were being put towards uh, this temple. And, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure God was appreciating this and accepting these offerings. In verse 9 it says, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced gladly. So David gave first, then all the leaders of Israel gave, and now the people are also giving. And it says that they rejoiced in the giving. It brought them happiness and gladness that they were able to give to the Lord. And you would think maybe their giving, this giving would make them sad. Oh, I've got to get rid of this. But they didn't have a grudging heart for it. They were happy to give it. And we should be happy to give in service of our Lord as well. Verse 10, it says, Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. 
and you and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor comes from you, and your reign over all you uh, in your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great, make great, and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise you, praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are, are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of you own we have, uh, and of your own we have given you. So we see, after all the giving, they're starting to want to praise God and just give Him glory and tell Him exactly God who He is. And we see here that it all came from God. Everything that we have and everything that they gave came from God. And they're able to thank God that they're able to return what God has given them. They're able to return to him in their giving and in their praise. So we see them starting to praise here. And we've got to remember that everything that we own comes from God. Everything we own comes from God. From, from the clothes we're wearing now to the vehicles we're driving, our houses, the money we have in our pockets, whatever we have ultimately comes from God. And in verse 11, he's, t- he's saying, all the power, all the glory. We're starting there with everything that God has, how glorious he is. Any, anything worth praising is, is from God. Because God is a generous God and he gives to us. In verse 12, it says, whatever wealth man may receive or whatever honor he may receive, that all comes from God. Your promotion at work or your promotion in whatever comes from God. It's not that we did it. God gave us the ability to do what we had to do. God gave us the way to get that promotion. Whatever money you have, how big or how small, that is God's blessing on you. And God gave you that blessing. You didn't earn that blessing. God gave it to you. And he's seen fit to give it to you. And he knows how much you can handle. Some of us can't handle a large amount of money. So, but he's always going to give you what you need. He's always going to give you what you can handle. And we see here in verse 12 that he's saying, all wealth that man has and all honor that man may achieve all comes from God. And it says in verse 13, it says, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. David had became great. Israel at this point in time is a great nation. And it's nothing that David did. It's nothing that the people of Israel did. It's all what God did because it was going to bring him glory. Ultimately, the greatness of David and the greatness of Israel would bring him back glory. And all David is doing is returning that and just just saying, Lord, you are the one that has given us this greatness. You are the one who has given us everything that we have before us and has made this nation great. They also recognize that all is God's. It leads leads on to the Recognition that if we have received anything, it is what belongs to God anyway. Everything we have on earth, as I said, belongs to God. And David and the nation of Israel is recognizing that right now. And in verse 15, it says, For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Here he's acknowledging that the life that we live here on earth is temporary. We're borrowing the breath that he gave us. 
until he calls us back home. And this is not our home. We are pilgrims in this. We're, we're merely passing through until we get to our permanent home that he has ready for us. And no man can settle on earth for any longer period than what God has already ordained for us. Each one of our days are numbered. He, there is a day for each one of us that we will go to meet him in glory. He knows what that day is. We don't. Jim Elliott, who was a martyred missionary for the Alka Indians, said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We need to give of ourselves, give our lives to Christ. And sometimes it's hard because our flesh wants to fight against that. And we want to live in comfort and we want to, we want to, we want to make sure all our needs are met. But our lives don't belong to us. If you are born again Christian, our lives don't belong to us anymore. Our lives belong to our Savior, the one who redeemed us and bought us. So it shouldn't be hard for us to give our lives over to him who owns it anyway. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes, especially here in the Western culture. We've gotten so, so babyfied, I guess, and so comfortable living how we live. And there's so many uh, people elsewhere in this world that don't live in the conditions we live, that don't have the freedoms that we have. And they know what it is to really be sacrificed be a sacrifice to Christ, whether it's in Africa or, or the Middle East. They, they know what it is to have to give their lives up for Christ. And I don't, I don't believe we really can grasp that concept here. But they, they're doing that daily, giving their lives uh, up to Christ. Verse 16 says, O Lord, our God, all this abundance uh, that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your uh, and is all your own. I know also, my God, that you test the hearts and have pre- uh, pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our Father, keep, the, uh, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. And give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes to do all these things and to build the temple uh, for which I have made provision. So we see David talking about how God wants an upright heart, one that is righteous and is doing things for the right reasons. And we see uh, for, for it all belongs to God anyway. And having known that, David is just telling them, my heart is right in giving you what I'm giving you. I'm giving to you out of a pure heart. My heart is definitely for this temple that we're building because this temple that we're building is for you, you God. His heart had no no cruel intentions at all. He wanted to give to the Lord. He wanted to make sure this temple was going to be built to honor and glorify God. And we see David telling him here that you can search my heart and you'll find that is in the right place. That's exactly what David is telling him here. And he's asking he's asking God too to help us to keep that right heart. 
And he's asking, he's asking that, hey, give my son Solomon a loyal heart to keep your commandments and your testimonies and your statutes. We knew through First and Second Kings, that's all they wanted to do. Hey, if you would keep my commands and keep my statutes, these blessings will happen to you. I will do this for you on your behalf because you are, you are loyally following me. Your heart is in the right place towards me. And he's asking God that Solomon will not be able to do it. David couldn't do it without the help of God. God had to help David to be a man after his own heart, after God's own heart. And he's saying to God, Lord, help keep my son Solomon in that same place. Keep Solomon's heart right with you. And we should ask God the same thing. Lord, whenever I go astray, help keep my heart right with you. I don't want my heart to stray from you. I want it to be able to be in the right place with you to where I, I am, I'm good with you, that you're going to bless me, that I'm going to be able to follow your commands, I'm going to be able to follow your statutes. And just like we've seen David, who would fail following them at times, he would repent, get on his face and repent before the Lord and get right standing with him again. And we need to ask the Lord to do that, cry out to him, keep my heart right, Lord. Help me to keep my heart right because I can't do it on my own. I need your help. I need your Holy Spirit to keep me in line and keep me guided in the direction you want me to go. And that's what he's asking God here to help Solomon, to continue helping him with him to his time is up. And in verse 20, it says, then David said to all the assembly, now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God and their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the king. So the people worshiped God. They got down, laid down before the Lord and worshiped him. And they also acknowledged that Solomon at this point was going to be the next king, the next leader of Israel who God had appointed to lead them. In verse 21, and says, And they made sacrifice to the Lord and offered burnt offerings to the Lord on the next day. And thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs, with their drink offering and sacrifice in abundance for all of Israel. So they ate and drank before the Lord with great gladness on, the, on that day. And they made Solomon the son of David king the second time, and anointed him before the Lord to be the leader, and Zadok to be priest then solomon uh here we're gonna stop right there so here we see them starting to sacrifice now this is a, a fairly large crowd that has assembled uh to to see this to see solomon become king to, to talk about the things that were dedicated to the temple so they started making a lot of sacrifices in order for them to be able to have the feast that they're going to have so there was a lot of sacrifices we see we see it here they talk about a thousand bulls and a thousand rams and a thousand lambs also the drink offering. So there was a lot, lot of uh, sacrificing going on. Number one, to worship the Lord. And number two, to be able to feed the crowd and the feast that they were about to, that they had there. And with all this sacrifice, the people were happy. They were going to have a great celebration. The Lord, they've seen the Lord doing great things in Israel. We're about to have one king who is going to pass away. We see his son is going to be taken over. God has made Israel great. There's a lot of gladness in here and a lot of giving in abundance. And, and, and didn't Jesus tell us that it is more blessed than it is to receive? And these people were blessed because they were giving. 
They were giving of their selves. They were giving of their money. They were giving of their time. And God was going to bless that. So if you're feeling down and you're feeling discouraged about things, give to somebody. Give a word of encouragement to somebody. Someone's in in hard times financially and you're able to help them out, help them out. If someone, someone, one of your neighbors or somebody needs some work done and they can't get out and do it, go out there and help them. Shed that light of Christ to them. It'll bring joy to your life. And losing that money or losing that item or what have you really doesn't matter because it's his anyway. So give ourselves to Christ. Give ourselves over to the work that he wants us to do. And be that light in our, in, our, in our sphere of influence that we all have. And that's what he's asking us to do, and it will bring you great joy. And it said that Solomon was anointed king the second time. The first time, remember, in 1 Kings one thirty nine, he was anointed king, but we had Adonijah, there you go, his brother, who was trying to take over the reign at that time. So he was anointed kind of quietly there, but now we're having it, him recognized openly to the entire nation of Israel. So this is kind of the second uh, time he was anointed king, but this was the main time that needed, we needed to see here. In verse 23, it says, Then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David, his father, and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. All the leaders and the mighty men and also the son, uh, sons of King David submitted themselves to King Solomon. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him uh, such royal majesty as had not been on all kings before him in Israel. So now Solomon has taken his place as David is, is, is kind of is, is going to pass away soon. Solomon steps up on the throne and takes his position. We see here all of Israel is starting to submit to Solomon, including David's son, so his brothers are submitting to him as well. The nation is united again because it was separate at one point with Saul. So we see that the nation is united again. Um, And God raised Solomon to the height that would not be seen in Israel again or Judah. Because after him, we know it all started to kind of fall apart. The nation ends up getting divided into the northern kingdom and in the kingdom of Judah. So at this point, this is one of the high, high points of Israel. With Solomon, David uh, passing on, and Solomon taking over that reign. This is a really high point for Israel. And in verse 26, it says, Then David, the son of Jesse, reigned over all of Israel. And the period that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and uh, 33 years he reigned in Jerusalem. So he died in a good old age, full of days uh, and riches and honor. And Solomon, his son, reigned in his place. So here we see that he says that David ruled, like we just talked about, over all of Israel. Because remember, it was divided, but at this time, everything is together. And David ruled for 40 years over Israel, uh, seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. And even though David was a warrior... Now, a warrior's lifespan in those times probably were not too long because of the constant battles they had. But he died full of days. He lived a long life, even though he was a warrior, because the God ordained that. He knew the day that David was going to die. And he was a man after God's own heart. 
And David and uh, God had a plan and a purpose for him, just like he does for us. And even though the Lord uh, was his heart's desire, he died full of riches. His heart was definitely for the Lord, but the Lord blessed him in that. Then it says, even though a large part of his life was spent hiding from Saul, he died full of honor. So unlike Saul, who did not die with honor, David did die with honor. And that's because he respected the Lord and he loved the Lord. His desire of his heart was after the Lord, where Saul was not. In verse 29, it says, Now the acts of King David, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Samuel, the seer, in the book of Nathan, the prophet, and in the book of Gad, the seer. With all his uh, reign and his might and the events that happened to him, to Israel, and to all the kingdoms of the land. So here we see the accounts of uh, David and his life and what happened while he was reigning and ruling in Israel and even up to that point from his childhood of being chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. And we see as we come to the end of the life of this shepherd who became a king. Remember when he was just a boy, he was a shepherd, but he ends up becoming a king. We see a giant killer who invented musical instruments because he said that he wanted them to play the musical instruments that he made. Uh, We see the fugitive who wrote Psalms. We see the sinner who would be in the lineage of the Messiah. And we come to the end of the life of David, the man after God's own heart. And, And David is one of my favorite people in the Bible, just for that simple fact. That when I fail, I can look back and say, you know what, King David fell. But I also can see the mercy that God had on King David, knowing that he'll have that same mercy on me. And that's what, that's what I love about David and, and the way his relationship with God was. It was great. All right, so we're done with uh, First Chronicles. Um, in Hebrew, First Chronicles would not have a Second Chronicles. It would just all run together. But we're going to start in Second Chronicles next Wednesday. We'll start with Chapter 1. Amen? All right. Father, uh, we come to you tonight. And we just ask, Lord, that you would just uh, search each and every one of our hearts, Lord, and just show us where we can be uh, more of a giving uh, people to you, Father God. And not just in money, but in in every area of our life, that we can be givers of ourselves, Lord, for you, Lord. You gave yourself for us on the cross. Let us be able to give ourselves here on earth for you, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that our heart would be right before you and that that when we're we're all said and done lord that that you would say that we had a heart for you father and we thank you for that lord we just ask that you would bless each and every one of the individuals here tonight that you would keep us safe on the roadways and uh we just ask for blessings for those who are not with us tonight in jesus name amen